guys and welcome back to this week's episode of the In The Hub podcast, brought to you by Playbox Technology UK. In this week's episode, we're joined again by Mr. John O'Lone, a key player in the launch of Sky News. John was our first ever guest when our podcast launched in 2020, and as we all know, a lot has changed over the past year. Join me in welcoming John back to give us an update on where news broadcasting is at now and how it continues to shape consumer viewing habits. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the In The Hub podcast, John. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you, and thank you for having me. Of course, it's nearly been about a year since we recorded, well, it was our first ever episode that you actually appeared on. Um, Is this the beginning of Series 2, or...? No, so we're actually kind of, I'd say, midway through Series 2 at this point. So we we did finish up Season 1, um, just before Christmas, and yeah, a, a few things have changed. But John, I've got to thank you for obviously getting the ball rolling with it, um, and and we're up to this point now. Uh, well, so it's always a pleasure to help Playbox. We really appreciate it, John. Thank you. Um, so we'll just get straight into the questions, then, John, if that's okay with you. Yeah, sure. Awesome. So it was a slightly different format last time around, John. Um, so for the first question of this this episode. I'd just like to ask, how did you get started in the broadcasting industry? Slightly more personal. Uh, Well, I went into radio, or journalism actually, uh, straight from uni. Um, And from uh, radio news uh, to TV news, and then from TV news to TV programming uh, and operations, uh, and then uh, which included uh, making promos. Uh, as well as uh, lots of other uh, interstitial material and um, producing programs. This is in in my native Australia. And then uh, back into news again, uh, which is what brought me to the UK for uh, the launch of Sky News. So it was always kind of news that that you wanted to be involved with. There was never going to be a different kind of sub-industry or a different career path that you'd go down. No. uh, My father told me that I should go into advertising because they make more money. (laughs) But I said, look, I I think journalism is more important because in journalism you tell the truth and in advertising you don't always have to. Yes. You can obfuscate around it. Uh, So uh, even though I was in programming – um, and produced game shows and variety programs. I was never far from news. And in fact, a lot of the things that I learned in um, those branches of, uh, of broadcasting and, uh, and other media uh, have uh, helped me a lot in um, using the best ways of communicating with people uh, for uh, interesting uh, news programs. That doesn't mean beating them up. That means making sure that the look and feel uh, maintains the interest or is at least equal to the uh, importance or the the gravity of the news story itself. Uh, you touched on it briefly there, John, but uh, you've obviously been involved with some, some massive projects during your career, and that's including but not limited to the launch of Sky News, um, plenty of activities within the BBC, ITN, Fox, and, and so many more. Is there a kind of particular highlight project that you've worked on in your career? And I don't want you to kind of single out a favourite, but but you know, if you if there is a particular highlight that sticks out to you, uh, you know, we'd we'd love to hear it. Uh, they're all fascinating in different ways, and I've really enjoyed and uh, thrilled even at uh, all of them, whether it was Sky uh, here in the UK or 
Star in China or National Geographic channels, NDTV in India, uh, Sky uh, in Italy, um, and Network 10 in Australia. Um, they were all fascinating in different ways because they were different challenges. And I think what to help answer the question, one of the things to put it in context is that when I was at Sky Italia, um, part of what I was doing there was uh, developing the news channel. Uh, was trying to merge an operation in um, in Rome, which was previously a cable company, with an operation in Milan, which was previously or continued to be a satellite company. Because the cultures were so very different between Rome and uh, uh, and Milan, um, we had uh, trouble uh, understanding how we were going to get the two together, and we realised that ultimately. Uh, culture was more important than just about anything else. So we did centralize the um, the operation in Milan uh, and Rome, even though it's the capital, um, became a branch operation. Uh, but in trying to understand how to combine the cultures, uh, I took myself back to uni and uh, between Oxford and HSA in Paris, uh, did a course in culture change. Now, what we used to do in News Corp was uh, we would buy something, knock it down and start again. But in Italy, we found we couldn't because not many people in the company spoke Italian. Uh, so we had a problem. Uh, but what I did learn after two years at university was uh, that the best way to change culture is to knock it down and start again. But if you can't, um, there are some things to bear in mind. Now, the reason I'm telling this story in answer to your question is that what I then realized that what I'd been doing for the previous 25 years of my life was actually culture change. Uh, that news, uh, news because of the evolution of news and because of the evolution of technology, uh, more so than programming because every game show can be traced back to one that started in radio in 1923 and so on. Um, and every drama can be traced back to even uh, newspaper um, newspapers of 1640. Uh, news continues to evolve and change because the technology allows that to happen. So really the secret in uh, developing news is to develop culture change within the organization, uh, even if uh, outside the organization, the audience is not changing its culture as often or as quickly. We need to to uh, keep up with the ways you can then tell a story, the ways you can um, encourage people to become more interested in what's happening around them, uh, whether they see the um, see the sense of uh, following that particular story or realizing that it's important to them perhaps further down the track then presenting the story in such a way is that they would become interested in it and see things more than just what they're interested in, but what they could be interested in. It's a very long answer, but um, the the answer to the question is uh, they all involve different, you know, obviously culture change at Star News in China was very different to culture change at National Geographic. Uh, so 
the thread running through it to answer your question is the culture change in all those organizations and you realized oh, what i have been doing is is culture change isn't it managing culture change and just how important that is to to an organization especially a news organization as well well exactly and i that's one of the reasons why we and we'll get to lns i hope in a minute that's one of the reasons why we developed lns and how we not stumbled across lns but um one of the precepts of why lns exists so now that we're kind of at a position where we can look back um, onto our podcast last year and, and everything that's happened in the past year um, with COVID and everything, how do you think news broadcasting changed as a result of COVID-19? And do you think we're at a point where we can say it was for the better or for the worse? I think it uh, certainly was for the better. And I think uh, the um, the one word that changed it was uh, the cloud. Uh, we were heading towards... Uh, cloud technology and cloud operation. But again, we go back to culture change. Uh, back in the days when engineers wore white coats um, because they were going to get uh, dusty or electrocuted um, and how a white coat could help in that, I had no idea. But they <laughs> it just makes you look more professional. It possibly, yes. Oh, look, he's an engineer. He's in a white coat. <laughs> um, and the creatives are over there in berets. Yeah. <laughs> the culture change in an organization, I mean, in, in engineering, we rely on the engineers to either keep us on air or to keep things going or to make it look great. Uh, and that is, uh, and I'm not being silly about this, a great responsibility. So obviously they rely on the things that proven, known and trusted things that they've done in the past, uh, which quite often is an obstacle to doing things differently uh, in the future. Uh, so this was happening with cloud. It was um, uh, happening with NDI, um, and there was some. There seemed to be a little bit of conflict there, but it, there isn't now. Um, so, and also the uh, the uh, the um, the financial people uh, had a lot to do with uh, the slowness of change in technology in uh, in the media, because if they worked on um, conservatively five-year amortization, that means you didn't have a chance to uh, look at new technology uh, for at least um, you know, five years. So the swap-out period uh, was was long, which slowed everything down. Uh, so you had to, there were various cycles that you needed to fit into to make uh, headway with technology. What COVID did is changed all that because people couldn't turn up into uh, into large workspaces. They had to um, isolate, which meant that uh, their um, the job that they were doing on the production line uh, needed to be done remotely, um, and a lot of that could be done um, on uh, on broadband, uh, and a lot of it could be done in the cloud. But what happened was people realised that this cloud thing, because of the culture change forced on them uh, by uh, by the virus um, pandemic, uh, actually worked. Um, and we should look at that. Concurrent with that, because big offices were no longer obviously necessary because the places were going to air and they were going to air quite successfully, uh, a lot of the um, station management realized they didn't need as much real estate as they thought they did. Uh, on top of that, you don't need as much air conditioning for all the racks. Uh, you don't need as many racks. Uh, so a lot of uh, a lot of the economics, a lot of the fundamentals of uh, the business changed during that period, and uh, you know a bit like a war, um, 
brings forth uh, huge uh, innovation, uh, technical innovations, uh, because development is unfettered and uh, there's an urgency in it. The same thing happened with COVID. So COVID was, uh, to many people, a war, and uh, in technology terms, I think it had the same the same impact to move us into uh, something that might have taken much longer otherwise, um, which again is one of the reasons we can, um, I'd like to talk about LNS in a, in a minute. So as promised, John, we'll, we'll move on to LNS now. So obviously LNS stands for Live News Systems. And for anyone who doesn't already know, um, which will be only a few people, I imagine. What services does LNS provide to our industry? Well, it, it started off as live news system. It's now live news and sports systems. So we didn't put the extra S in. Um, but uh, it, it applies to uh, to certainly live news, uh, pre-recorded uh, magazines, pre-recorded sports programs and so on, and live sports programs. It's a newsroom computer system. But what we've done uh, is we have organized it in such a way as that we've come up with a system which is complete end-to-end. It goes from uh, not acquisition, but certainly the editing uh, of the content. I mean, we don't actually go out and report the stories. We rely on the journalist and the camera people to do that. Um, but from the edit uh, of uh, both the, uh, the, the, the words in the story, the copy, um, and also the video, all the way through to... Um, to the uh, the presentation and putting it to line, uh, in either in broadcast or um, as as a digital product um, uh, or uh, or in streaming, um, that it is a complete system that uh, works end to end. Now there are apart from there are a lot of systems that. Uh, a lot of fantastic uh, automation systems, editing systems, graphic systems, they all are built around, they all require uh, instructions uh, in this field of, uh, of broadcasting, of, um, of uh, production. They all require instructions from a central brain. Uh, we uh, LNS is the central brain. So it works with uh, VizRT, it works with uh, Blackbird uh, cloud editing, um, so it's an end-to-end system where LNS is the integral part of uh, issuing the instructions, which are built um, according to the way the journalists or the producers want it done. The other thing that's unique about uh, LNS, uh, again, going back to my earlier comments about culture change, we came across LNS because of culture change, because until, um, basically until LNS, uh, all the similar systems, um, which I won't name because I'll leave some out, were designed by engineers. Even uh, one of the newer ones uh, says in its brochure, uh, it was founded by a team of broadcast engineers and software developers. Um, and what has been the tradition in um in news production uh, ever since I was a boy is that the people in white coats and then subsequently T-shirts uh, would um, buy a system at NAB or uh, IBC, uh, bring it back and install it in the newsroom and say to the journalists, the people who had to operate it, the people who had to make it productive, here you are, use that. Um, it was They were never designed from uh, the point of view of the journalist or the end users or how people would naturally tell a story. That's why training was important. That's why training took so long. 
uh, because they, in many respects, work backwards to the way the brain of a journalist works. Uh, so LNS is designed by journalists from the ground up. It's therefore intuitive, um, as I like to say, if you can order a pizza online, you can work LNS because it, it is that simple. So there are two of the things that make us different, um, we hope, uh, because that's what we've designed it to do. And we believe it does. Yeah. And obviously, now that it has been a year since that first podcast episode, what are some of the more recent developments that you guys have made with, with LNS? And, you know, how is that keeping up with the news and sports industries as they kind of evolve? Well, uh, back then, the effects of uh, COVID were only just uh, in the lockdown and the changes to uh, the way things needed then to be done uh, were only just starting to take effect. Uh, now, 12 months later, you know, um, we're rubbing our noses in it, as it were. It, it's happened. It's there. It's a reality. It's not a not a trend anymore. Uh during the same period of time, we were uh, fortunate enough to win a grant from Innovate UK, uh, which is the uh, British government's um, incubator for uh, hot technology. Uh, and we've been working with that grant to further develop LNS uh, into the cloud, make it end-to-end -end in the cloud, etc. Um, now, a lot of people don't like the cloud because they live in parts of the world where uh, broadband or... Um, or interconnect is uh, is faulty or not reliable. Uh, so it's also capable of being installed on premises as well. But uh, the big change between the last podcast and this one is that we are fully now in the cloud. We haven't rolled it out yet because we're just putting the finishing touches to it. These things take time. But to answer your question, um, we are now on cloud nine which is uh, what we're calling it, uh, which is what we would hope our uh, our clients would be uh, relaxing on after they install LNS. Yeah, and I'm sure they will be. Now, that's great news, John, and it's you know it's great to see so many solutions making their way up to the cloud. And obviously, well, having... it's also it's also handy too. I mean, the people that would rather have uh, an on-premises system, which, as yes, I say, we sure. can do, um, that uh, the quite possibly the same kind of people who would like not a full-time 24-hour-a-day service, I can't quite see the uh, the difference because, I mean, if you buy a vacuum cleaner, you only use it once a month, but you're paying for it for the entire month. Uh, so you, you, I guess you could rent a vacuum cleaner, but nobody does, do they? <laughs> um, the software as a service uh, is uh, also possible by virtue of uh, being in the cloud. So, Smaller operators uh, may only need, um, may only be able to afford um, four hours use a day. Well, we can accommodate that as well. Yeah, it is just about giving more options to broadcasters nowadays, isn't it? And, and modern broadcasters and news providers. Yeah, again, it's it's not guys in white coats walking in and say, this is how it's going to be done. Uh, it's the people who are going to be doing it, saying how I would like it organized and that is something new that is something new in broadcasting i mean um vendors have always been sensitive to what their clients want but um ultimately they'll say look um the guys in white coats say we can't do it that way or oh of course we can do it that way it'll be another 12 months and cost a million pounds 
So, John, this is a question that we ask uh, at the end of every podcast episode, um, nowadays anyway. Uh, in one word, what do you envision for the future of the broadcasting industry? And that can be specifically for news or, or kind of the, the broadcasting industry as a whole. If you could sum it up into one word, what what would you think is the future of the broadcasting industry? Cloud. Love it. You can leave it, it at that, John. what I said earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, to be fair, like usually we say, you can you can go on and expand, but again, it's it's we can just leave it at that, can't we? Because it is so not obvious, but it's such a good choice um, and one. That well, I've been talking a lot about the cloud previously, anyhow. So it was all building up to that one that one thing. I mean, there are other the 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 trend of uh, to uh, streaming. Um, I think there will be. Uh, I wouldn't say a backlash, but I think. Where news is a is another word uh, that I would add to that list, because it's being uh, written off too hastily. I think by the industry generally, um, all it takes. I mean, use of news zoomed through the roof at the height of the COVID uh, virus, and people can say, "Oh, yeah, well, that was at the height of the pandemic, wasn't it?" You'd expect that, yeah, but you could expect that, as I said before, six or seven times a year. There's going to be something that you have to know about and will follow quite closely for maybe 36 hours. But then like the vacuum cleaner, you put it back in the cupboard. So just to finish on then, John, are there any kind of exciting projects in the pipeline uh, for LNS that you can talk to us about? I know we, we've touched on um, the cloud and obviously having virtual solution. Um, but are there any other kind of exciting projects that you wanted to highlight? Well, the rollout of LNS Cloud9 is going to be so exciting uh, I can't begin to tell you how exciting it's going to be. I can't wait. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> It'll be that great. The, it fits the uh, premise of your question. Uh, the exciting thing coming up will be the rollout. Um, yes. uh, do, do we do we know when we can expect that, or is it? Uh, It'll be early in the early in the financial year, which is that's July. Yes. Okay. Brilliant. It's not tied to the financial year, but we do need to tie it to something. Uh, yeah. It's actually tied to uh, the last couple of bugs we need to get out. We know how to solve them. Um, we've done the proof of concept and so on. We're just working backwards now. Brilliant. So it's it's there. And then how can people get in touch with you or LNS if they want to find out more about what you guys provide? Uh, they can email me at uh, john at live systems, one word, uh, dot io, or they can have a look at well, the new system, won't, the new website won't be up uh, until just before the launch. Uh, so what they could do is john at uh, livesystems.io and we could do a Zoom or uh, do a, a live demonstration of the system, which I love doing, which I love doing. John, I think that's answered all of my burning questions for today. Um, I want to thank you very much for coming on again to the podcast, and uh, hopefully, we'll thank you for asking me again. And I hope I can do it again next year. <laughs> Might have to become a recurring theme, John. Then we, you can start using some of those other one-word uh, answers for the last questions. We, we can start working through them. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much, John. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye bye.